welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 107. My name is Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been having a look back at God of War, given we've got God of War Ragnarok coming in only a few short months. I've also been checking out Rumbleverse, the new wrestling battle royale game from Iron Galaxy. I've also been checking out Two Point Campus and the new Mario Kart DLC Wave 2 from Nintendo. So as always, it is a busy show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Now, I'm good this week, and this week's show is all about God of War. So I've been playing through God of War 2018, having first played it back when it released, and I'm getting ready for God of War Ragnarok by spending some time with Kratos and Atreus. I have to say, you know, this game really holds up as a top game, even in 2022, given it's over four years old now. now. It looks great on the PS5, plus I'd almost forgotten most of the story, so it's great to get back to Midgard. Well, today I'm going to be bringing you my thoughts on God of War, plus looking ahead to God of War Ragnarok by bringing you everything that we know about that game. Well, Nintendo also held a specific Direct for Splatoon 3. That is also coming out very soon at the start of September, and I do believe on the 9th of September. So this one definitely has me intrigued. I've not been a huge fan of Splatoon in the past, but I think I could be persuaded to get into their latest offering. Well, also, I am off on summer holidays for the first few weeks of September, so the next episode of the podcast won't be until September the 25th. I'm off to Greece on my holiday with my wife, plus also we've got family visiting, so it's time for This Week in Video Games to take summer holidays. I'm going to be back in a few weeks with some great games, including The Last of Us Part 1 Remake for PS5, and I'm really, really looking forward to jumping into that one with you all. Well, before we get into it, it'd be great if you could leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts. really helps the podcast get some more eyes on it. I do have a link in the podcast description. So if you like the show and you want to leave a review, I would really, really appreciate it. Plus, I'll read out that review on a future episode of the podcast. Also, if you want to support the show further, check out This Week in Video Games on Patreon and check out all those Patreon benefits. Okay, that is my waffly intro out of the way, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, as well as the original God of War, I've been playing Rumbleverse. This is the new grappling-focused free-to-play battle royale from Iron Galaxy Studios. And they got some great experience with fighting games. Plus, I really used to love wrestling when I was a teenager, so it really has been fun diving back into this one. It feels like we've had some great free-to-play games released this year, with this one being hot on the heels of multiverses. That came out a few weeks ago, plus Fortnite is jumping back up onto people's playlists once again with no build mode and the recent Dragon Ball Super collab. Well, Rumbleverse is a whole load of fun, but I've also been checking out Two Point Campus. This is an education management sim from Two Point Studios, who made Two Point Hospital. This one has the same sense of humour. It's a great time, plus it's available on Xbox Game Pass. Well, finally, I've been checking out the Mario Kart DLC Wave 2 pack. That brings back some absolute classic tracks to the action. I'm going to bring you my thoughts later on in the show. Well, we've got God of War Ragnarok coming out in November, and to prepare myself, I've gone back to God of War 2018. That was an absolutely fantastic game from that year. I thought I'd brush up on the adventures of Kratos and Atreus and dive into that game once again. So next up, I'm going to bring you my classic review of God of War.
Well, God of War, originally released in 2018 on the PlayStation 4, was a fantastic reboot of Kratos' character from the original trilogy. Now, God of War went down as one of the best games on the PS4, plus it was many people's game of the year in 2018, and today I'm going to revisit that game a few years since it came out. Well, Kratos mellowed in the eight years since we last saw him on the PlayStation. You know, back then, he was into murdering Greek gods, his life was filled with sex and violence... And that way of life clearly took its toll on the man, as the Kratos we encounter in God of War is much more thoughtful, he's sensitive, plus also he's a father. Now Kratos now lives in the woods, in Midgard, where Norse gods rule. He's got a small shack with his son, Atreus. They appear to be living a quiet life hunting, and not wanting for very much. Now we start out with the game with Kratos teaching Atreus to hunt, and there seems to be many more monsters around these days. Normally, they don't come this far down the mountain or close to their home, Atreus notes. Well, unfortunately, Kratos' wife and Atreus' mother recently died, and they had to cremate her and put her ashes into a pouch. They want to start off on their adventures to the top of the mountain as part of her dying wish. Only, there's a knock at the door, and Kratos directs Atreus to hide in a makeshift hidey hole they've created below the house in case of emergencies, and then Kratos opens the door. Baldur is there, and he's looking for a fight. Our objective has been laid out very clearly. You know, our wife's dying wish is for us to go on an adventure together to the top of the mountain and deliver her ashes. There's some great mysteries along the way. Atreus seems to be a sickly, thin, small child, and Kratos is worried he won't be able to make it to the top of the mountain. In terms of the gameplay, it's a third-person action game with a player controlling Kratos. However, you are supported by Atreus, who can shoot arrows to support his father in combat. As Kratos, you can attack enemies with your axe, shield, and fists, and the combat does feel very, very good indeed. The axe in particular is one of the best-feeling weapons in games, period. You can throw it, and it can stick into enemies, and the push of a button, it comes back flying into your hands with a very satisfying thud when the handle hits your palm. You can run into opponents, fist flying, or you can hang back and pepper them with your axe. Now, if you smash your enemies into a pulp, then you can get a finisher animation, meaning you can finish off enemies with a flourish, and sometimes that may mean tearing them in half or ripping their head off. As with the other forms of the combat in the game, it is very satisfying, albeit slightly gruesome. When the first few hours of God of War, the game is fairly linear, but after a short while, things do open up. Kratos and Atreus start out in Midgard, but things soon open, and you'll find yourself going all across the realms. The game isn't all action, so there are quiet moments of reflection, where Kratos and Atreus get to talk, and the former gets to be a father and give out some advice. Well, somewhere in the middle of the game, you meet the severed head of one character, there's a great series of moments on board a little boat, where you hear the head tell stories from the past. These are some of the best moments in the game, as quiet, as gentle, and builds the world in grand fashion. The fights though in the game are spectacular, but the quieter moments of character development between Kratos and Atreus are the moments that I definitely remember after playing through the game. Kratos is directed through the main quest in an obvious fashion. There's a marker on the screen to indicate where to go next if you just want to speed through the main quest. And God of War is filled with side quests and smaller stories that are good fun in their own right. You've got secret rooms, a hidden caves, and loot chests all over the place to help you get lost and distract from the main story. They feel like time well spent, too. 
Now, at the end of a side quest, you feel rewarded, not only in the loot that you can acquire, or the upgrades to Kratos and Atreus, but in the lore that you learned along the way. The environmental storytelling in the game is excellent. You know, it's not only the severed head who likes to speak to you throughout the game. There are a couple of blacksmith dwarves who help you out on your journey, and they love to talk. You know, many of the NPCs in the game love to speak to you and tell you tales while you're around, so it's worth hanging out and taking things slow when other characters are talking, as you might learn a few interesting things about the world you inhabit. Well, God of War looks absolutely fantastic. It's vast, it's grand in scale, and the character designs, they're decent too. There are big set pieces, you know, fights against elves, rock monsters, trolls, and ogres, and some of the supporting characters are larger than life as well, some literally, with the world serpent being the primary candidate. This is a large, snake-like creature, as large as Midgard itself, and watching Kratos and Atreus first meet the world serpent is a great moment in the game. The game does a really good job of blending the story and the action sequences. God of War doesn't cut away from the action to load into a cutscene. Everything is presented in a single, long shot, with fairly seamless transitions. This gives the game a cinematic feel and quality, and also helps you see the world from Kratos' perspective, and also help me get into the characters and the overall narrative of the game. It's something we hadn't seen on that scale before, and back in 2018 it was considered a huge technical achievement at the time. Well, you could compare God of War to Dark Souls, given the fairly linear nature of the game, in a world that seems large and open, we're actually being directed down a particular path. Combat can also feel like Dark Souls at times, not so much in the first playthrough, but in the post-game, where you can take on the rock-solid Valkyries, including the infamous Sigrun. To support the combat gameplay mechanics, there are quite a lot of RPG elements thrown into the mix. Kratos can upgrade his axe, the handle and the pommel, and Atreus can upgrade his bow. Then you've got their individual clothes which can be upgraded, plus the runic attacks, which have light and heavy variants. There's no complicated button combo presses required for runic attacks. They're essentially like special attacks. It's a simple button press to unleash an attack which is going to inflict more damage or stun your opponents in place. Runic attacks can be swapped out and different runes have different effects on bosses, so some of the bosses feel like they have a puzzle element to them. And God of War doesn't really hold your hand in this regard. You have to try different combinations and find out the best one. Well, as well as not holding your hand in the fighting tutorials, it's also fairly relaxed about holding your hand through the story as well. The narrative is expertly woven throughout, with Kratos and Atreus constantly talking to one another, so it's definitely worth paying attention to. This isn't one of your podcast games. The payoffs are huge, as smaller off-the-cuff comments from earlier on in the game get paid off later, it is a masterclass of blending the narrative and action together into a relatively seamless experience. Now, God of War is both a sequel and a reboot at the same time. Kratos has left his debauched days of sex and violence behind him, and now he prefers the quiet life. Unfortunately, trouble seems to find him, and he's forced to pick up the weapons once again. Now, Sony, Santa Monica have put together such a complete package which would proudly sit at the top of many best games lists. You know, the pacing of the game is excellent, the storytelling is woven into the action unlike any other game, and there are impactful moments throughout which you won't be able to forget. You know, God of War, Ragnarok is coming out in only a short few months' time, so if you miss God of War 2018, now is the perfect time to pick it up again. Well, the game was developed by Sony Santa Monica Studios, and it was published by Sony, 
It's available for the PlayStation and now also the PC too. Originally, it was released on the 20th of April 2018. Well, that is it for my look back at God of War 2018. Really, really good stuff. I absolutely love my time spent with Atreus and Kratos. Really, really good characters. And the game is definitely one worth checking out and jumping back into, even if you played through it back when it first came out. Well, that is it for now for God of War. But next up, let's have a look forward to God of War Ragnarok. The highly anticipated release of God of War Ragnarok is due in November 2022. There's a lot to live up to the sequel, given God of War was regarded as one of the best games of 2018, and one of the best games of the last generation. So Sony Santa Monica Studios were holding back the release date until very recently, and if it can stick to that date, then it could be that Elden Ring finally has some competition when it comes to Game of the Year 2022. God of War Ragnarok is set a few years after the reboot of God of War, so the freezing winds of Philbul Winter have come to Midgard, making survival for Kratos, Atreus and Mimir in the Norse wilds even more challenging than before, Sony said on their blog. Now, while the last game built an enormous amount of trust and understanding between father and son, there's still a great deal of complexity in their interactions, especially after the revelation of Atreus's giant heritage and a hidden prophecy only Kratos saw. Like most young people, he wants to understand who he is more than anything. In this case, he wants to understand who he could be. The mystery of Loki's role in the upcoming conflict is something that Atreus cannot let go of. He wants to keep his family safe, but Atreus also doesn't want to stand by and do nothing while conflict consumes the Nine Realms. Well, regarding Kratos, he wants to keep his son safe, above all, and their confrontation with Beldur has vindicated the belief that only tragedy will come from further entanglements with the Azir, reads the game description. Well, together, Kratos and Atreus will have to make a choice about which path they take. Whatever they choose will define the fate of all those living in the Nine Realms as Ragnarok approaches. Well, we see some familiar characters returning to Ragnarok. Freya is back, once a friend of Kratos, but now an angry enemy. We wanted to remind players that Freya isn't just a terrifyingly powerful user of Vanir magic, but also she's a formidable warrior in her own right. Enraged by Kratos' envision of justice by her hand, Freya will turn every weapon at her disposal towards her son's killer, Sony said. Also Thor, who showed up at the end of God of War, is no doubt angry that Kratos has killed his sons and half-brother. Well, Thor's legendary bloodlust and wrath will be aimed at Kratos and Atreus, Referred to disparagingly by Mimir as the biggest butchering bastard in the Nine Realms, Thor earned his title as one of the most powerful Azir gods by wiping out nearly all the giants at Odin's command. Regarding the gameplay, God of War Ragnarok looks to build on the success of 2018's God of War with a familiar feel. As a team, we've worked hard to take our learnings from God of War and improve on that combat to feel fresh yet familiar. With God of War Ragnarok, one of our main goals was to push player choice in combat, whether it's through hard-hitting combos and mastery of elements or clever defensive tactics, you're going to find plenty of opportunities to fight alongside our duo in a way that feels uniquely expressive, Sony said. Well, the enemies in God of War Ragnarok are set to be harsher and more varied, so Kratos and Atreus will take on new enemies including the Stalker and the Drekki. With an expanded cast of adversaries, we aim to keep each combatant encounter memorable for the smallest brawls 
to the big showstopper bosses, Sony said. So back in God of War 2018, we got to visit six of the nine realms, and Ragnarok is finally going to let us visit all nine. This includes the three that were not in the original, including Vanaheim, Svartalfheim, and Asgard. So new areas from previous locations will also be added to the game. So exploring, the realms will take you everywhere from verdant, otherworldly jungles to intricate subterranean mining networks. And this installment in the series will bring you a more diverse, beautiful and mysterious variety of locations than any other God of War game, said Sony. Well, if you are planning on catching up with God of War 2018, well, now is a great time to do so. Well, God of War Ragnarok had a journey to get to its current release date of the 9th of November 2022. Sony Santa Monica Studios repeatedly stated it would make its 2022 release date without actually revealing the date before summer 2022. Well, fans were vocal, protesting it wasn't likely to make 2022, even going so far as to harass and threaten members of the studio. It really is a hard watch sometimes, frankly embarrassing being a video game fan watching how some fans behave. It's a miracle that video games come out at all sometimes. We should be praising and supporting the developers for creating a world that we love to spend so much time in, but a small minority seems to want to ruin it for everybody. Well, regarding the release date, members of the studio said, we haven't said a lot about it, and that is because everyone is heads down hard at work. We are perfectionists. Everyone is tightening up the graphics. There's so much going on right now that I just wish we could share it with you, but it's not ready to be shown. I guarantee the moment, the very second, we have something ready to share, we're going to share it with you all. We don't want to hold any of this back, so please hold tight and know that something cool is coming. And we, everybody here at Sony Santa Monica, is so incredibly thankful for all the support you have given us, said Corey Barlog. Well, it is fair for fans to speculate regarding the release date in a sensible manner, and definitely without threats. Originally, it was set for 2021, that was pushed back to 2022, with one of the reasons being Kratos' voice actor having major surgery. So Christopher Judge said via Twitter, To the beloved fandom, Ragnarok was delayed because of me. In August 2019, I couldn't walk. I had to have back surgery, both hips replaced and knee surgery, and they waited for me to rehab. Well, fair enough, that does sound pretty major. It's good to see that Sony Santa Monica Studios are supporting their voice actors. Judge even complimented the studio by saying, So no threats, no who do you think you are, nothing but love and support. And Sony Santa Monica has never said a word about the delay and what it caused. You know, studios can be assholes, but this company, from top to bottom, should definitely give us hope. So while God of War Ragnarok is planned for PS5, it's also coming out on the PS4, and we don't yet know the differences between the versions, although we are likely to get news of that closer to the release. I imagine we're going to have the deep dive Sony state of play in September or October, but we're going to more detail related to Ragnarok. You're going to be able to upgrade the PS4 version for $10 and get the PS5 upgraded digital version. Well, God of War did come out on PC earlier in 2022, but there's no plans to release God of War Ragnarok on PC on the same day and date. This is likely to be a major reason for fans to buy a PlayStation 5, and by releasing it on PC on the same day, Sony, they could make more money, but they would also be restricting a potential audience of buying into their PlayStation ecosystem. Well, this is further complicated by the difficulty of getting a PS5 at the moment. It's still not readily available in the shops or online nearly two years after the console launch. Now, given Sony has released former PlayStation exclusives on the PC this year, including God of War and Spider-Man, so it's likely that God of War Ragnarok will appear in the future on PC 
But I would imagine sometime in 2025 or 2026, there's probably a more realistic date. Well, Sony Santa Monica Studio have said it's going to be the conclusion to the Norse mythology story for Kratos. That is according to Corey Barlog, director of the first game, although he has handed over the reins of the directorship to the new one, and that is Eric Williams. Barlog said they decided to stop at two games, otherwise they'd end up working on the story for about 20 years. Now, Barlog said it would get too complex if the story is drawn out, so they wanted to conclude it with two entries. Well, the complexity radiates out and ripples like a pond. You know, we could make it an ocean and have those ripples just go on for thousands of miles. But is that necessary and is that beneficial or are we feeling like if you know what, it's just spreading out too far apart, Barlog said. The ripples just get too far apart and you just sort of lose the plot a little bit. Well, that is it for God of War Ragnarok for now. I'm really, really excited, and I think it's going to be one of 2022's best games. Hopefully, it's going to give Elden Ring a run for its money when it comes to the Game of the Year 2022. Well, that is it for now for God of War. Really, really looking forward to that new game. And also, really, really enjoyed playing through God of War 2018 over the last couple of weeks. I definitely recommend doing so if you have the chance. Well, over the last few weeks, Nintendo was back hyping up one of their next games, and this one is Splatoon 3. Well, Nintendo, they were back over the last few weeks with a specific Direct. It wasn't a general Nintendo Direct, unfortunately, but they were back hyping up one of their next games. And this one is Splatoon 3. Splatoon 3 is due for release on the 9th of September 2022. It's only around the corner and Nintendo is ramping up their promotion of their ink-based shooter. Now, some fans are really hyped for the new release, whereas others are asking why we need a Splatoon 3, rather than incrementally updating the previous Splatoon games in a live service manner. Well, today I'm going to dive into everything announced in that Splatoon Direct. Well, first of all, we've got a new photo mode, so we're going to be able to take photos of our squid kids and the surrounding area, including the new hub city. Plus, images can easily be shared on social media, or they can be sent to friends or used to customise the characters' lockers in the game. We've got some new techniques to take advantage of, which includes the Squid Surge. We can swim up walls with a burst of speed. Then we've got the Squid Roll, which is designed for quick turns. That includes a split second of invincibility where your character glows and repels incoming ink. There's also plenty of new stages, include Scorch Gorge, Etail Alley, Mincemeat Metalworks and Undertow Spillway. Overall, we've got 12 stages at launch with some returning from the previous games, but more stages are planned in the post-launch updates. I believe they are going to be free. As well as the new stages, we've got new weapons coming too. So the Tri-Stringer is similar to a bow and can fire in three directions at the same time, while we also have the ability to fire charged shots that explode. The Splatana Wiper is a cross between a Katana and a Windscreen Wiper and allows you to shoot ink in a wide area. That can be charged up and using a vertical slice, to help players run up walls. Well, the regular new weapons are joined by special weapons. So first is the Tacticooler. That is a vending machine that provides players drinks to improve their stats. This can be placed down in a match and it'll help you gain an advantage over your opposing team. The Reef Slider is a shark pool float that zips about the place and explodes when it hits an enemy. And the Wave Breaker releases waves of energy, helping to identify enemy positions and inflicting damage on them. There's a good amount of new things, stages, weapons coming to the game. We've also got some returning things too. You know, with the stages, we've got Museum de Alfonsino, 
Hammerhead Bridge and My Hey My Hey Resort. And there are returning weapons too with Tenter Missiles, Inkjet, Inkstorm, Ultra Stamp and Booyah Bomb. We've also got three new Amiibo including the Inkling, the Octoling and also Small Fry. Well there's a Splatfest starting on August the 27th. It was actually before the launch on the September the 9th. And rather than two teams, this time we're going to have three. So this is a turf war split into two halves. The first part is a regular 4v4 battle between three teams. And then in the second half, all three teams compete in the tricolour turf war battle as a 4v2v2 match. The first turf war is part of the August 27th Splatfest. So part of that Splatfest features a demo of Splatoon 3. So if you're interested in the game and want to try it out, then that demo is going to go live later in the month of August. Well, you'll be able to customise certain online features including splash tags and lockers. Splash tags appear before the match. You can customise the title, the background and the badge. You can also change your character emote too. And a player's locker appears in the lobby of players and you've recently played with. And you can customise it to display weapons, photos, items and a load of more things too. Well, Splatoon is getting its own dedicated app called the Splatnet 3. This can be accessed through the Nintendo Switch Online on your phone. This can be accessed through Nintendo Switch Online on your phone, but you'll need a membership of the service to access the features. So Splatnet 3 will give you access to battle records and unique app-only exclusive gear. And there's also a new mini-game called Table Turf Battle that replaces ink with cards. That's a 1v1 competitive card game where cards are played to ink, a grid-based battlefield where there's 150 cards to collect. Splatoon 2 is also getting a new competitive rank mode called Anarchy Battles, all rules are returning, including Splat Zone, Tower Control, Rainmaker, Clan Blitz, and you'll be able to compete in the rankings for the objective-based matches. You can also play with friends in the open mode or play solo in the series mode. Well, Nintendo has big plans to support Splatoon 3 after launch, so customization options for lockers and splash tags are going to be released every three months for two years, and they're available for all for free. New weapons are planned to be added at the same time, so you've got new stages that are also going to be added over time, in addition to the 12 coming at launch. X-Battle and League Battle are new modes coming too, which are modes targeted at high-ranking players to play against with each other. And while there are a slew of free updates planned, there's also paid DLC in the works too. No major details of the DLC yet, but this is coming within the two-year period of the other updates. Well, Splatoon 3 also gives players the ability to draw small cartoons, and have them be visible in Splatsville and can be seen by other players. Salmon Run is also making a return which can now be played wherever you want, and bosses have been added to Salmon Run with a King Salmonid called Kazuna turning up at the end of matches. Later there's a planned crossover with Salmon Run and the invading Splatsville, although that is coming later. So loads of stuff coming with Splatoon 3, both old and new. Well, that is it for the moment for Splatoon 3. Loads to look forward to there and really, really exciting stuff. But next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, number 10 this week, we've got F122. That is up three places from last week's number seven. And number nine this week, it's Minecraft. That's up three places from last week's number six. And number eight this week, up one place from last week's number nine. It's Animal Crossing New Horizons. And number seven, at one place from last week's number eight, it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. And number six, it's Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, down three places from last week's number three. And holding steady at number five, it's Gran Turismo 7. Holding steady at number four, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, 
And at three, it's Nintendo Switch Sports, down one place from last week's number two. And number two, it's a new entry. It's Two Point Campus. I'm going to talk about that one later on in the show. And then back in at number one, it's Horizon Bidden West. So congratulations to Gorilla and the team for that returning number one. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts. But next up, let's check out another new free-to-play battle royale. And this one has a melee twist. This one is Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse is the latest free-to-play battle royale to arrive in recent months, but this one comes with a unique twist. Rather than shoot guns, you use your fists. It's all about melee action and wrestling. This is the latest game from Iron Galaxy Studios, developers of Dive Kick and Killer Instinct Seasons. Well, this one is a free-to-play melee battle royale. It's got a lot in common with Fortnite from a design point of view. You know, rather than run around the map picking up guns, this one is all about accumulating moves so you can take down your opponents as quickly as possible. So if you've ever been interested in pro wrestling, it's likely there's going to be something in here for you. You won't be confined to a small ring. There's a big city to explore, so you're going to be throwing opponents into buildings, slamming them off the top of the cars, plus applying finishing moves left, right and centre. It's all very over-the-top cartoony action, but also it's instantly fun and grabs your attention. Now, Rumbleverse does a great job of getting you into the action quickly, Plus, it offers up something different while maintaining some familiarity. It really is a great combination. So while the map may be big, the player count is slightly smaller than what we might be used to. Rather than 100 players on the map, we've got 40. So the formula is a familiar one. You are shot out of a cannon. You have to run around grabbing food and also picking up new moves by rapidly reading books. And Rumbleverse manages to keep things simple, trimming away all the layers of complexity that come with picking up weapons, armor, and various scopes or equipment. The team have kept it simple, and I think the game benefits from this, you know, given it strips away that complexity, also helps you get right into the action immediately. So when you land, you can run at opponents, fists and feet flying, trying to knock out as many players as you possibly can. Finding the fun is a core concept in game development. I think Rumbleverse is down that to about 30 seconds when you start a match. Combat in the game is really easy to pick up, but there are layers of complexity here if you want to dive into it. Punches and kicks are standard, although you can also grab opponents for moves which you can learn by picking up books and assigning to action buttons. So much like loot in Fortnite, there are rarities to take into account for the moves. They include drop kicks, choke slams and various suplexes. So the fighting feels great and Rumbleverse has the smackdown feel to a T. So you've got your standard attacks guarding and grabs. You know, special attacks can bypass guarding, but if you miss then you're going to leave yourself open to an easy attack. Also, you have to have your eyes in the back of your head because attacks come from 360 degrees in this game. Well, there's a lot of fighting game DNA in Rumbleverse, especially given the developer Iron Galaxy Studios worked on games like Killer Instinct. You can rush in with a Superman punch or smack an opponent over the head to gain an early advantage, but then you can always hang back and bait opponents in, waiting for that perfect moment to strike. There's an element of rock, scissor, papers to the fighting style, but Rumbleverse keeps you engaged at almost every moment you're in open play. There's little tricks and tips of getting around the map and using various features, which the game doesn't do a great job of telling you about. For example, if you jump and use a boost at the same time, you can long jump. Makes it nice and easy to get away quickly if you need to. There's dodge cancelling out from special moves, plus you can get some really great combos, or fake out your opponents into thinking that they can attack you. There is a training mode, but I had some trouble getting in with matchmaking times about 3 minutes plus, 
which is way too long for waiting, so I simply quit out. Well, there's one map at the moment in the game. It's very big, plus there's a lot of verticality to it. You know, while Hyperscape didn't survive the long haul, one thing it did very well in the short time it was with us was vertical battles, and Rumbleverse does a similarly great job. Plus, climbing up buildings is accompanied by an oddly satisfying animation and also very funny audio. Rumbleverse already offers up some great differentiation when it comes to the gameplay, given its focus on melee action. However, there are a few things it does very well in terms of keeping the gameplay fresh as well. Everyone is motivated to get into the battles through rewards that buff your character, and these are dished out when you hit certain damage milestones. Inflict enough damage on your opponents, you're going to get a prize. That includes being able to regen health, and in a battle royale, that is absolutely massive. Restoring health and dealing more damage are all options on the table, so it's a good idea to get in there, bash at your opponents early, and often get those buffs. The closing circle is nice and also brings some real-life pro wrestling rules with it with the count-out mechanic. The ring closes as per other battle royales, however, rather than remove your health, it's going to start at 10 count. If that count goes to zero, you are out, which in turn creates some great gameplay moments. So you can use this to your advantage by running out of the circle to get away when you're one of the last remaining, or try and stop others from getting back in. Yeah, gameplay aside, the character creator is decent. You can choose from male and female characters, plus there's a variety of haircuts and body shapes to take into account. In classic free-to-play fashion, there's plenty of outfits to buy if you want to, although it's quite easy to play the game and ignore all the monetization features if you don't want to engage. You know, it really takes a lot for me to buy something in a game like this unless I love the developers or really, really appreciate the game. If they decided to add some 90s WWF skins in here, I might find it hard to resist, but for now, Rumbleverse is going to have to work a little bit harder to get me to open my wallet. You know, I definitely appreciate the work being done by the team and the game is great fun, but whether it's something I'll be returning to every week, you know, time is just going to tell. One unfortunate experience I've had in the opening few days since release has been the state of the servers. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, you know, given it's free to play and it's been widely marketed. Every game has issues on launch day, and this one was no different. However, I did have trouble getting into matches and queues for practice modes have been silly, to the point of me quitting and doing something else. You know, over the week or so since I've been playing, things have got a little bit better, so hopefully it's only going to improve over time. So overall, Rumble vs. a unique battle royale experience, and it taps into two of my passions, video games and wrestling, and manages to blend them together very, very well. It's free to play, it's widely available across many platforms, so if any of this has convinced you, I definitely recommend jumping in and giving it a shot. Well, the game was developed by Iron Galaxy Studios, it was published by Epic Games. It's available on the PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox Series S1 and X, GeForce Now and also PC2. And the game was originally released on the 11th of June, 2022. Well, that is it for now for Rumbleverse. Really, really fun game. I definitely recommend jumping in and checking it out. It's free. So whatever platform you are on, you can download it. Just check out your app store on your console of choice. Or if you're on the PC, check out the Epic Game Store. Well, that is it for Rumbleverse. But next up, let's check out another one. And this one is Two Point Campus. Two Point Campus is a new management sim where you get to build a university. If you've played other games from Two Point Studios, then you're going to have a pretty good idea about what to expect. The game has a great sense of humour, plus an attractive art style. It all adds up to a decent gaming experience. 
Yeah, Two Point Campus follows on from Two Point Hospital, which had players developing healthcare facilities. But here in Two Point Campus, it's a similar approach, only replacing health with education. The main campaign for the game runs players through the basics, given there's a wealth of mechanics and systems to go through. It does a really good job of taking you through things slowly and simply, layering on the complexity level after level, so you're not overwhelmed. The campus starts small with buildings for lecture halls, halls of residence, private study rooms, libraries and more as well. You know, lecturers need to be hired. Plus you've got support staff like caretakers to look after the garbage removal, make sure the place is nice and tidy. As students start to come in, they have their own requests as well. For example, entertainment and equipment. The pacing of the game is really good, although keeping the bank balance in check is quite tricky. So if you build too many buildings and hire too many staff, then you're going to drain the money very quickly, forcing you to take out a loan from the bank. Yeah, adding more students to the campus certainly helps, which can be done by adding marketing rooms, although don't take your eyes off your current students, as they're going to need looking after getting them towards graduation. Yeah, as well as facilities for education, the students have to be entertained as well, and that means investing in clubs and the student union to host live music gigs. Lecture halls can double up as cinemas, which can provide entertainment when students are being taught. The systems work together really well once you get a few set up and then they overlap. And it's your job to monitor the multiple spinning plates. Now, developing buildings, looking after students and making sure the place is clean, tidy and full of entertainment. It all works together really, really well without being too overwhelming. The personality and sense of humour really come across in Two Point Campus. And whether that's from the names of the characters or the announcements over the loudspeaker system. The animations of the students going about their daily routine, whether it's in class or outside class, is really fun to watch. Sometimes they're going to be going about their day as normal, sometimes they're going to be dressed up in silly costumes, sometimes they get sick and have all pumpkins for heads. So Two Point Campus also has a good friendship and romance system, which is new when compared to Two Point Hospital. That makes sense, as you don't really need a romance system in healthcare, and you can place various items around the campus to help foster good relationships. You've got benches, water fountains, love benches, and love trumpets, so the relationships that occur don't really impact your gameplay, but it all adds up to happier students. So if you enjoy watching your students and your creations and adding a little love into the mix, only makes it more entertaining. Well, each area of your newly built university campus has its own unique features, there are new ways to generate money or unplanned events that inevitably throw a spanner into the works and offer random fresh challenges for you to deal with through the management sim. For example, if your archaeology students find something in a dig, well that could be sold for additional money. If it gets too hot then all the students can sweat and everyone starts to smell, lowering everyone's happiness and making the university a less bearable place to be. So Two Point Campus offers up more in-depth than its predecessor in part to the Kudosh system we can earn this from completing student requests. Kudosh can then be spent to unlock various decorations for placing around the campus to spruce things up just a little bit. Items like interior decoration, bookcases, statues and candles can make the place look much nicer. You can also get lost in the management side of things, much like Animal Crossing, decorating and redecorating until you've got your perfect look. Well, you are limited by the amount of Kudosh you can earn, so don't spend it all at once. It's relatively slow to earn. Overall, Two Point Campus is a decent management sim with a good amount of depth. It's a vast improvement over Two Point Hospital, and you can really get into the storylines created by the students and your staff at the campus. It's also available on Xbox Game Pass if you're interested in have that service 
I would definitely recommend giving it a try. Well, the game was developed by Two Point Studios. It was published by Sega. It's available on Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PlayStation PC, and I reviewed this one on PC Game Pass. And originally, it came out on the 9th of August, 2022. Well, that is it for Two Point Campus, but next up, let's have a look at the Mario Kart DLC Wave 2. Well, Nintendo has released the second wave of tracks for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, and this wave is arguably much better than the first one. This wave includes some of the best Mario Kart tracks from the franchise, plus we've got some new additions and also a brand new entry as well. Well, much like the first wave of tracks, Nintendo has added eight courses via two cups, so let's go through those now. First of all, we've got New York Minute. This one is a track from Mario Kart Tour. It includes a bunch of landmarks from New York City. So we've got the New York nightlife plus a jazz soundtrack. We've got Central Park and the neon lights of Broadway. Traditional yellow New York cabs are all over the place. Plus you've got the standard Mario Kart Tour shifting maps. This is a great example of what Mario Kart Tour can provide, even though the real world maps don't quite fit into the Mushroom Kingdom. Well, next up we've got a SNES classic with Mario Circuit 3. It's a fairly simple map, but one that's going to trigger plenty of nostalgia from players who sat in front of their TVs with friends and family back in the day. It's pretty much the same as the original course, but when you hold this one up against modern Mario Kart courses, it really shows how far we've come. It's simple, it's fast, just as you remember, it's no frills fun. Well, moving on, we've got another classic Mario Kart map, this one from the N64, with Kalimari Desert. Nintendo has somehow managed to improve on the original, bringing the design up to a modern-day standard, so the course stays the same as the original until the second lap, where a ramp takes you onto the famous train tracks. You have to be careful to watch out for the train this time, making sure to avoid it before a final lap back on the desert for a race to the finish. And this one is by far the best course of this DLC for me. Well, next up we've got another good one, and it could be considered one of the best of all time. This one is Waluigi Pinball. Now it's full of colour, speed and nostalgia once again. Originally a DS course, this track is big in terms of design, making you feel like you're speeding around the course as fast as your car can take you. This was featured as part of Mario Kart Tour. Arguably it's the best iteration of Waluigi Pinball that we've seen. It's a non-stop thrill ride from start to finish, and a great end to the first cup. Well for the next cup we've got Sydney Sprint, so as the name suggests this one is set in Australia, and is another entry from Mario Kart Tour. Here we speed about the famous Sydney Harbour area, offering up a slightly different experience each lap. It's fairly standard Mario Kart racing here, and we've raced around harbours before in Mario Kart. At the end you fly through the windows of the Opera House, which is a nice touch, and a really great way to kick off the second cup. Well, next up we've got Snowland, so the next track is from the Game Boy Advance version of Mario Kart. We've got a few changes from the original, it's an ice track, so we all know what we're getting into here, slipping and sliding all over the place. You've got ice, you've got power sliding, and loads of penguins too. Well, next up we've got Mushroom Gorge, so this one was featured in Mario Kart on the Wii. It's one of the better tracks from that game, so it's a welcome addition here. It's a fast course, which isn't easy as it looks with its bouncy toadstool terrain, plus running through the claustrophobic crystal caves. That's great fun and really good to be back on this course. Well, finally, we've got Sky High Sunday, which is a brand new track, although it is coming to Mario Kart Tour, and this one reminded me of the food level in Super Mario Odyssey. 
So we've been here before with Mario Kart when it comes to racing through desserts, and this one does live up to the hype of a new track. And when we first start, we fly through a hole in an ice cream cone. Plus, the decoration of the environments is excellent. It's big, it's colourful, and it's really, really enjoyable. Well, that is it for the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Wave 2 DLC tracks. Now, this is much more like it when it comes to classic and new tracks from the Mario Kart team. And to get access to these tracks, you're going to need Nintendo Switch Online through the Expansion Pass. And that now has loads of benefits, including Mario Kart 8 DLC. So if you've got that subscription and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, check out the new tracks and give them a try. Nintendo are going to be back sometime later on in the year with Wave 3, although leakers out there seem to have a good idea what's already coming next. Well, that's it for now for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC. But next up, let's have a look what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. Well, on August the 23rd, we've got Midnight Fight Express. That is on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Also, we've got Saints Row. That's PS5, Xbox Series S next, PS4, Xbox One and PC. Then on the 25th of August, we've got F1 Manager 2022. And we've got SD Gundam Battle Alliance. And then on the 26th, we've got Pac-Man World Repack. That's PS5, Xbox Series S next, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Also on the 26th, we've got Soul Hackers 2. And then on the 30th, we've got Destroy All Humans 2, Reprobed. And then on the 30th, we've got another one. So we've got Immortality. And then another one really looking forward to. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. And then finally, on the 30th, we've got Tinykin. Then going into September, we've got Ooblitz. That's coming on Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Then we've got JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. And that is PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And that one is coming out on September the 2nd. We've got a couple of games coming out on September the 2nd. So Lego Brawls, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Made in Abyss, Byronie Still Filing Into Darkness, PS4, Switch, and PC. And then we got The Last of Us Part 1. That is coming to PlayStation 5. On September the 6th, we've got a few games. So Buy a Mutant. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and Temtem, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, Switch and PC. We've got The Tomorrow Children, Phoenix Edition. That's coming to PS5, PlayStation 4. And then on the 8th, we've got Jack Move. Also on the 8th, we've got Steel Rising. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and PC. Then on the 9th, we've got NBA 2K23, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Finally on the 9th, we've got Splatoon 3. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Or for more this week in video games content like this, like, subscribe, and share with a friend. You can also check us out on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts on the feed. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>